come with me please tonight in the Word of God to Hosea chapter 14. Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. It's in the Old Testament, guarantee you. I know it's not a book you look at every day. Isaiah chapter 14, the last chapter, and reading verse 5 and 6. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. His branches shall spread. His beauty shall be like an olive tree and his fragrance like Lebanon. The inner workings of God in the hearts of men and women has a mysterious element about it. We know that there are laws and principles. We've come to understand some of those through God's Word and through the Holy Spirit. However, there are ways in which God does work in our hearts that are sometimes hard to define. And we look for analogies, examples to try to describe this. For example, Scripture likens the work of the Holy Spirit to wind. John 3, Jesus said regarding the Spirit, He said the wind blows and we don't know where it's coming from, we don't know where it's going. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Something mysterious about that beyond our natural ability to understand. We get it spiritually, but intellectually, we just don't understand that. It's a work of the Spirit. In John chapter 4, likens the Spirit to water. Remember speaking to the woman at the well, and he said, uh, I'll give you water where you'll never thirst again. And this water shall be like a fountain that will rise up from within, springing up into everlasting life. And he was talking about that work of the Holy Spirit regarding salvation. John 20, he likens the Spirit to air. says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And we know, of course, in Luke chapter 3, Holy Spirit's like an under fire. John says... When he comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Day of Pentecost, there was tongues of fire upon their heads. We know that the Word of God is likened unto a seed, the parable of the seeds, or unto bread, or unto manna, or unto a sword, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, or a lamp. Your word is a lamp unto our feet. Now here in Hosea 14, God's dealings with us are likened unto Jew. I will be as the Jew unto Israel. Now we know that in the context it's speaking specifically about Israel. However, it does speak to us today as born-again believers. I will be as the Jew unto Israel. Now isn't this wonderful? Here is something that is 
lovely and pleasant and gracious and gentle and vital, the Jew. So what can we say about the Jew likening God's dealings to us? First of all, it's silent, isn't it? It's silent in its operation. Like many things in nature are silent, so is Jew. You can't hear a tree grow. You can't hear a sunbeam or a moonbeam. A rainbow makes no noise. Sure it doesn't. A whisper. No, nothing. In Genesis chapter 2, there's that wonderful moment in Adam's life. Having been created perfect, in all of his ways. And then in verse 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man... And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. Silent in its operation. Adam had a great need. He didn't know that at that point, but he had a great need. And none of the animal kingdom would satisfy that need because none of it was comparable to him. So what did God do? He put him to sleep. And in that sleep, in that silence, in that time when he was completely and utterly unaware of what God was doing, God was planning the greatest thing in his life. When he was totally not conscious of God's workings. Silent like the Jew. And in that sleep, God made a helper for him. And my point is, how many times unknown to us, without us sensing or feeling anything, God is quietly, silently working away in the background of her life to bring about something that perhaps will be the greatest change in our entire lives. And often this is the way God works. Without us knowing, I wonder tonight as we sit here and as I speak, I wonder tonight, I wonder what God is planning for each of us that we have no idea about. <laughs> Not a clue. Because at this moment, he's silent on it. 
He's quietly, silently working away, totally unaware as you are of what he's doing. But we trust him and we believe that he has got the best for us and his heart is towards us and he wants the best for us. And so we have to trust him for that, haven't we? In Zephaniah, you don't need to turn to this, but in Zephaniah chapter 3, the last chapter of Zephaniah, he said, the Lord your God, verse 17, the Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. He will quiet you with his love. Different translations put that different ways. One translation says, he will rest in his love towards you. But another translation puts it this way, he is silently planning for you in love. And I think that's beautiful. So right now, tonight, God is silently planning for you in his great love. I wonder what it is. <laughs> but it will come to fruition. If we walk humbly before him and keep our eyes on him and just walk this path that he's got us on, then at some point or other, then that will come. Adam slept, and when he awakened, lo and behold, there was Eve standing in front of him. That must have been a shock to him. But what a pleasant shock. What a great surprise. Some of you are single. And you say, I wonder will God do that with me? I wonder is he working on him or her right now and I don't even know it. Could be. That would be encouraging, wouldn't it? Maybe Mr. Wright or Miss Wright is out there and the Lord is working on them, working in you too, by the way, but working on them to bring you together in his time for his purpose. And so it is silent in its operation. But more than that, dew comes in the night, during the hours of darkness. Physically speaking, we are at our lowest ebb in the middle of the night. From the hours of 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. is when our body clock, generally speaking, is at its lowest ebb. Having worked on night shift for many, many years prior to coming into ministry, I know that is true. More accidents were caused in the workplace in those hours than any other time because mentally we're not just so quite alert and physically our body clock is run down. Now, spiritually speaking, there are times whenever we are at a low ebb spiritually, it's a night season. We're maybe going through a difficult period. But did you know there's a special grace for the night season? The Apostle Paul talked about it. The Apostle Paul, after having received those tremendous revelations from God, caught up into the third heaven. 
unless there should be, he became puffed up with the abundance of the revelation. He says, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. And apart from all the other stuff that he had to go through for the gospel's sake, there was a messenger of Satan especially assigned to him and his case alone to buffet him continually. No wonder he prayed three times that God might remove that. It was most unpleasant. He did not want it. And he was no softy. Sure he wasn't. I mean, he was a tough nut, the Apostle Paul. But even the great Apostle Paul, the great spiritual giant as he was, he did not want this in his life as I don't want that flying my, buzzing around my ears tonight. I was buzzing around here this morning. Johnny, get that fly tomorrow. Get a great big tin of something and kill that critter. He's going to light on top of my head, so it is. You'll cut all out of the tape, won't you? You'll do that. Yeah, of course you will. And so there's a special grace because after prayed three times, God says, no, I'm not going to take it away because my grace will be sufficient for you. You see, that's that dew that comes in the night season. That special grace, that grace just for that particular difficulty. And there's a grace for every difficulty that we face. Elijah was the same. Having had his greatest victory over the prophets of Baal and Mount Carmel and how that Ahab's wife Jezebel threatened his very life. And he ran. And he ran as far as he could run right down to the very bottom of the nation to Beersheba. That was a long, long journey, a tiring, exhausting journey. And when he got there, not only was he physically exhausted, but he was mentally and emotionally racked to the point where he says, God, take my life. I've had it. I don't want to do this anymore. Just take me to heaven out of here. And do you remember what happened? How the Lord sent the angel to come and to give him bread, and to give him water, and to encourage him for the journey ahead. When he needed, when he was at his tiredest, at the darkest time in his life, when he was the most spiritually low as he possibly could be, then that special grace came to him in the form of the angel to sustain him and to help him. Come with me to Matthew chapter 26 just for a second. Verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. Said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. While I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and, his, and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Excuse me, stay here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. 
And he said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup cannot pass from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And so he left them and went away again and prayed the third time. Paul prayed three times for that devil to leave him. What's this devil to leave me? This fly is buzzing around me. And here's Jesus at his most crucial hour praying three times. So never be ashamed if you're going through something and you pray once and nothing happens and you think, well, would it be a lack of faith if I had to pray again? Jesus prayed three times the same prayer. Paul prayed three times the same prayer. So he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Now Luke's gospel includes something that Mark didn't, or Matthew didn't. So if you look at Luke 22... Same thing happening. Verse 39. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, and as he was accustomed, his disciples also followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. When he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. There's that Jew in the night season, as it were. An angel came from heaven, strengthening him. I wonder how the angel did that. I wonder what the angel said. I wonder how the angel encouraged him. I wonder what the angel whispered in his ear that would lift him and encourage him. You know, many, many years ago, I was, I was on a, a protracted fast. And it came to a certain point in this protracted fast. And I was physically at my lowest ebb. And I had got, and I remember it as well because it was a Friday. It was a Friday afternoon. And at that time, we had the prayer meeting on Friday night up here. And I was lying on top of the bed and I felt sick physically. I felt tired, bone weary and tired. I had hardly any voice left and I just felt, Lord, I, I, can't, I can't do another hour of this. I, I, I pushed this as far as i physically able to do. I just can't do this. And I knew that I had set myself a certain time period and I, I trusted I was going to be able to do that and believed the Lord I could do it, but I just got to this point, and I was lying there, and my phone rang, and it was a brother from England, a good friend of mine, and he knew nothing about what I was doing, absolutely nothing, 
And he said, David, are you okay? I says, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, yeah, I'm fine. And he says, are you really okay? He says, because the Lord has really prompted me to ring you to see if you're okay. And then I told him. And he prayed with me on the phone. Do you know that night I came to the prayer meeting, I was bouncing. I, I just suddenly all of that weight left off my shoulders and all of that feeling of tired and weary, it just disappeared instantly. And that was the Lord just touching me through somebody else, just encouraging. And I don't know how that works. I don't know what happens at that point. Because I still wasn't eating. But I had the strength to go on and to finish the course that I'd set to do. And, and that, in a sense, is the Jew of heaven. It's just in the night season when it's difficult, when you think you can't go on another step, something happens. And the Lord blesses and encourages. And even Jesus needed an angel to come to him. So can you imagine what he was going through at that time? When the Father had to send an angel to come and encourage him. And so it comes in the night season. Paul and Silas in Acts 16, it says, But at midnight, Paul and Silas began to pray. At the darkest hour, after they had been beaten and in chains, at the darkest hour, they began to pray. And we all know what happened then. God sent a great earthquake. And so at silent this operation, it comes in the night, and it's new every day. Each morning, depending geographically where you live, of course, each morning the grass is bathed in fresh dew. Every day our souls are touched with the dew of heaven. And yesterday's dew is not enough for today, and today's dew is not enough for tomorrow. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a daily walk with the Lord. And no matter what blessing there has been in the past, we've got to get the blessing today, our bread today, the Jew today. In Lamentations chapter 3, what does it tell us there? That his mercies are what? They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And they are new every morning. Exodus 16, they get daily manna. Every day they would go out when the dew was wet on the fields. There was the manna every single day for 40 years without fail. The manna was there. Psalm 68, 19, he daily loads us with benefits. And we usually never think about one of them. Because <laughs> we have a good old gripe and a groan, don't we? Boy, we love a gripe and a groan, don't we? Really, to be honest, don't we? Come on, don't we? If we're nothing else to grope and gripe about, we do it about the weather. <laughs> we have the best summer we've had in years. And we're still groaning, aren't we? Boy, the weather's very dropped now, isn't it? The night's just getting dark, you know. <laughs> I mean, we just had the best summer we've ever had. He daily loads us with benefits. 
And if he just stopped a little bit and began to think of all of the benefits that God has blessed us with. Isaiah 43, 19, Behold, I will do a new thing. Every day is a new day. Every year is a new year. Every spring brings new flowers, new growth. If any man is in Christ, Paul said he is a what? A new creature. Ephesians 4.24 speaks of a new man. Revelation 2.17, overcomers will be given a new name. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be great. So if you don't like your name, hold on. It's going to be changed anyway. Revelation 21 speaks of a new heaven and a new earth, a new Jerusalem. Behold, I make all things new. The Jew is new every morning. It refreshes and it revives. There's some parts of the world, I was watching a nature program recently, and I forget where it was, it was somewhere in Africa, somewhere. And it was so barren, it is so dry, it is so hot, that it's only the Jew in the night season, it's only that that keeps any life going in that desert. It may be the Kalahari Desert, I think it's part of the Kalahari Desert. And it's only the Jew, the guy said, that's what keeps life going. And it's amazing the life there is there, but it's the Jew that does it. All those little insects and those little grubs and even the tiny little things that creep and crawl, it's the Jew that keeps them going. And we need the Jew to refresh us and to revive us, the Jew of God's anointing. Gideon <laughs> was hiding from the Midianites and he was threshing out the corn and the wine fat and the angel of the Lord comes to him and said, you're a mighty man of valor. He says, Lord, what about all your miracles? What's happened to us as a nation? You have handed us over to the Midianites. The Lord says, go and this your strength. He says, well, how can I go? Our clan is the least in Manasseh and I'm the least in my father's house. What can I do? I'm only one person. God says, go in my strength. And he wasn't even satisfied with that, so he says, stay here. And he went and he killed a kid goat. And he made some broth and he brought some meat and some bread. And the angel of the Lord says, put it on the rock. And he took his staff and he touched the rock, and fire, the Bible says, came out of the rock and consumed the offering. Now, you'd think that would be pretty convincing, wouldn't you? <laughs> but you see, he's still not, he's feeling still inadequate, he's not feeling he's up to the job, and all the rest of it. And the angel says, go and tear down the altars of Baal that your father has put up. That was a big test. He was too scared to do it during the day, so he did it at night. And he took ten men with him, and he pulled them down. And he took one of the father's oxen, and they were going to make a sacrifice unto God. And the next day, the Midianites said, Who did this? We're going to kill them. And they found out it was Joash's son, Gideon. And they went to demand him to kill him. And Joash says, Can Baal not look after himself? Can he not take care of his own altars if he really is a God? He's sticking up for his son. 
Now he'd come across that hurdle. He's still feeling inadequate. He still feels he's flagging. He still needs some kind of revival in his heart. And so he said, Lord, let me just give you one more test. And he took out that fleece. And he put it out in the ground. And he says, Lord, if tonight, if there's only dew on the fleece and all the ground around it is dry, I'll know I'm ready. And sure enough, the next day they get up, that's exactly what happened. Is he convinced? <laughs> he says, Lord, bear with me just one more time. He says, tonight, let there be dew all around, but no dew in the fleece. And that's exactly what happened. And that Jew, that sign of the Jew, convinced him and gave him strength. God's on his side. God's going to help him. God's going to win this victory through me. And he went out and he won a great battle. Once God, Jew, refreshes and revives us, we can fight the fights, can't we? We can fight the good fight of faith. Notice in closing what it says about the Jew. And what it would do, it says, he shall grow like the lily. The lily is a beautiful and a tender plant. It lies dormant during the winter. Then it grows quickly. But its roots are not that long and not that strong. So he said, and lengthen his roots like the Lebanon. The cedar of Lebanon, that means. The cedars of Lebanon that are up in the mountains of Lebanon, their roots go very deep and they plow deep into the ground to suck up all of that moisture and strength and sap. And so there's a part of our lives that are to be tender and sensitive, yet we're to be rooted and grounded and strong. Then he said, and lengthen his roots like Lebanon and his branches shall spread. God wants our branches to spread out. And this is partly the reason why we're doing these interviews. To take the message of somebody's testimony that God has done in their life and to spread that branch out beyond these four walls. Because if we wait till they come through that door, we might wait a long, long time. Eh? But if we can reach out to where they are and try to reach them, with a message of God's grace and goodness, our branches shall spread. Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well, whose branches run over the wall. Are our branches gone out over the wall? Because that's what God wants. His beauty shall be as the olive tree. Many people see an olive tree. Do you ever see an olive tree? They're not very beautiful to look at. They're not like the mighty oak or even the great horse chestnut or the majestic fir or the great spruce. They're all twisted and gnarled, stubby. But its beauty is in the fruit that it bears. The fruit that it bears year after year after year after year after year after year, it constantly bears great fruit. The olive oil industry is a big thing, isn't it, in those hot climates? And so our beauty is to be as the olive tree. 
fruit bearing year after year after year. You know, there's a promise in the Bible that you should bear fruit in old age. That's not talking about having babies, by the way. Aren't you glad for that? <laughs> Spiritual fruit, even in old age. And finally, it says his fragrance like the cedars of Lebanon. Have you ever been in a pine forest? These Filipinos will know what I'm talking about. City of Baguio, city of the pines, way up six hours north of Manila, way up in the mountains. And when you get up into Baguio, the city of the pines, you, you can smell the pine. It's everywhere. Pine trees everywhere. And if you walk past them, you can smell the pine. You go through the mall in this burn. You come to Yankee Candle Shop. It'd nearly knock you down, wouldn't it? And you go to that perfume shop. It's wonderful. There's a fragrance. There's a fragrance. There used to be a fragrance in the Burn house along the end of this burn. You held your nose and turned off your air conditioning. You're going past it. Well, the slaughterhouse. But there should be a fragrance about our lives. Wherever we go, the fragrance of Christ. A spiritual aroma should be left behind. Somebody's just put on fresh perfume or fresh aftershave and they just walk past you in the shop. You, mm, that's nice. And it's just a whiff as they go past. Our lives should be like that spiritually. In our office, in our workplace, whenever we're about, people should be able to sniff something of the glory of God in our lives. I will be as the Jew unto Israel. He shall grow like the lily, lengthen his roots like the cedar of Lebanon. His branches shall spread. His beauty shall be of the olive tree. His fragrance like the cedars of Lebanon. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for those moments in our lives when you come and you touch our hearts. You calm our fears. And you give us peace in the midst of difficulty. For those moments, Lord, when you come with direction and wisdom and knowledge and understanding. For those times, Lord, you come and you just move in our hearts in a way where we feel worship rising up. And we feel that little bit closer to your presence. So thank you for those moments when the dew of heaven touches our soul. Thank you for those moments, Lord, whenever we feel near and close to you in your presence. We give you thanks for this. And Lord, wherever we go tomorrow, may your fragrance be on us. May someone sense that God is in our lives for his honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.